Let me yeah, highlight, yeah. yeah, of this plastic surgeon, and his name is Dr. Daniel Barrett, and he's uh, in Beverly Hills, and I think he's a pretty well-known TikTok guy. My loneliness is killing me and I, I must confess that I still believe, still believe. My recital, I think it's very vital to rock around. That's right, on top. It's tricky, it's so tight. Here we go, it's tricky to rock around. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No Hey, Doc, how many flips do you think I can do in here? You're not flipping my OR. I'm not doing what? If you're gonna do a flip, I'm not doing what? You better not. What's a strange habit you picked up from work? So I have this thing about breast implants. Trouble. He's gonna burst a blood vessel because I just as wide as you like that when he's done with the So what'd you guys think of that video of the Dr. Barrett? entertaining and the first thing i think about is when you're jumping up on your or table with your shoes 
and there's a clean sheet there. I, I hope he changes the sheets afterwards for the next patient, because <laughs> all that all that uh, staff on the ground will right go right up on the right up on the OR table. So, the I gotta say the operating room is like my church, my dojo, right? Like I it's approached with some level of reserve, some level of respect. It's like an altar, and, and I just don't. I have trouble with just doing whatever in the operating room. It's a place of sterility. It's a place of concentration. It just, it's not me, but it works for a lot of people. So do you, th yeah. go ahead. I, I was going to say, I don't think I could be as entertaining as Dr. Barrett. So I'll give him that. He's definitely got a, <laughs> got an outgoing personality that I'm sure people yeah. are really attracted to. At the end of the day, why are we on Instagram? Why are we on TikTok? Why are we on Snapchat? It's a form of marketing, right? Ultimately, plastic surgeons wouldn't be doing this if they weren't trying to get more patients. So I make the conscientious effort to try to attract people that, that are going to view me as an authority figure and that are going to treat surgery with some level of gravitas. We're going to ultimately make this decision to have an elective procedure to make themselves look better, but ultimately recognize that it's still surgery and there's consequences that go around that are around it. So for me personally, if I were doing what Dr. Barrett was doing, I don't think I'd be able to convey that message. I think ultimately it wouldn't look like it's something that's more than just going to the nail salon or getting your hair cut. So it wouldn't work for me in my practice and what I'm going for. Obviously it works for him. He's gotten a fair amount of notoriety, but it's not something I would ever do. It's funny because I bet you that 20 years ago, our mentors would say, you know what? Social media is fine, but it's not something that I would ever engage in. My work speaks for itself. And I really want to get my patients through word of mouth. And if you want to post stuff on social media and whatever, that's something I just wouldn't do. And now we are our mentors and where Dr. Barrett is going to be is where the future lies because it's, it was a joke where he had the three glasses of water and he poured some into the study hard, poured some into the amazing results. And then he like overfilled the, the TikTok beaker. And to me, it was clever. Yeah, it was clever. Uh, there's a grain of truth in that, in in the sense that I think as a young surgeon being trying to market yourself, this is where they're going to go. This is what they see as the future. And should we, or as a society, like our society, our professional societies, should we start trying to establish guidelines about what? is appropriate or what isn't appropriate. We already have some guidelines about advertising about what we can and cannot say. Should we have better guidelines that cover social media as well? But the thing is what the attorneys will say is you can't, you can't legislate or you can't regulate taste. So it, as long as patient safety is respected, as long as patients are consented for being on social media, there's really little that I think the professional societies can do. But the one thing I wanted to, to just clarify here is I, I think we have to understand what's happening in the local and regional environments of where these surgeons are posting. Dr. Barrett is in an exceptionally competitive market, arguably the most competitive market. And you walk down Robertson or Westwood and you throw a stone and you can hit five plastic surgeons just bouncing off their heads sitting at lunch, okay? And so it's exceptionally competitive. And I've, I've been down there. I've, I did a fellowship in Los Angeles. I scrubbed in with some of these docs and they take pride in going 
out of their operating room in their scrubs, wearing their white coats, wearing their hats, just walking down the street. That's a lot of visibility. And to some extent, if you're not in that game, you're just gonna be marginalized. Whereas in other venues, San Diego, Chicago, the Midwest, it's, it's not, you don't have to engage completely in social media to be competitive. And so there's some extent of what's happening in your regional community as well. Yeah, and yeah, and looking at going back to your question too, Dr. Ree, about should our professional societies be be involved? Dr. Baird's videos are goofy and they're meant to be funny and entertaining. They're not violating patient confidentiality. They're not showing they're not degrading people. They're, I was interested in the breast implants and the, the hypervolt and the Theragun. I was hoping it to actually be an assessment of the two guns because I've, 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 I have both yeah, and both, I'm trying yeah. to figure out like, <laughs> well, yeah, which I like better, but ultimately he's not hurting anyone by it. So it's just, it's entertainment and he's not violating any professional standards. It's just silly and goofy and he's entertaining and that's what he's trying to be. I think that's what more and more of our plastic surgery colleagues are going to be doing. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned location because the Wired article that I want to talk about with, about this particular influencer, Dr. the real Dr. SIX or six, I'm not sure how you would say that, is in Toronto, which you wouldn't necessarily think is the hotbed for cosmetic surgery. He very competitive market. Very competitive market. Okay. Uh, and very competitive. Ask ask Dr. Kuzan. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Can you see him on social media? He would be just entertaining. He'd be, except I think he'd do great. I think he'd do really well. His persona translates really well to, to social media. So basically this article was written by Catherine Laidlaw and it was published out in January and it was your body, yourself, your surgeon, his Instagram. And basically the title was social media gave the real Dr. SIX a stage in which to show off liposuctions and breast lift. But when cosmetic surgery becomes entertainment, who owns the story? Now, I think this uh, surgeon is under multiple charges for which he's currently on, in the legal process of dealing with. But I just wanted to pull out a couple quotes and have you guys think about or comment on this. His name is Dr. And uh, it basically follows the story of a particular patient named Laura who saw his posts on Instagram. This Dr. Martin Jungenberg, who's a clinic, T Toronto Cosmetic Surgery Institute, had a ton of satisfied uh, customers on online reviews, had a sizable following on Instagram and uh, Snapchat, and basically underwent breast augmentation with. He said he, during her consultation, he asked if she, he could stream her surgery on Instagram live. And the article says she remembers the moment the tenor changed how it first felt like a medical appointment and then like a sales pitch. Quote, everyone does this, don't worry about it. She didn't want to say yes, but she felt there was no room to say no. And so whether it was the nerves of impending surgery or some desire to please the man who'd be wielding the scalpel on her body, she acquiesced. What do you think of that? Obviously well, no one's going to feel good about coercing. You, you can go ahead. Go, go, go fine. Ahead. Oh, go no, ahead, no, so. no, go ahead. Go ahead. Please go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So the way the article is written, Sam, the pa the patient basically says that he feels coerced into having her video filmed live for Instagram. Yes. And, and the article also goes on to say later on that the doctor pulled pictures off of her social media feed and put it on his, which she asked him to take down and he wouldn't also. And so there's a lot of 
not even questionable ethics involved here. You can't coerce patients into doing things they don't want to do. And you do yield a huge amount of power as a surgeon to potentially coerce people into doing things because you're going to be operating on them. They don't want to displease you. So it's hard to, obviously you have to feel terrible for this patient and feel if the story is true as it's written, feel like there's significant unethical behavior going on. Yeah. I, and I think I, I know several Canadian surgeons in the Toronto world and the laws in Canada, particularly Ontario, are much more stringent than they are in the United States. For example, you are not allowed to show before and after photos on a public Instagram account or online for that matter. You have to, you, you have to be invited. So they, they won't allow you to show before and afters. But if you have an Instagram account where a patient signs up for it, a requested account, that is acceptable. So the laws are really pretty stringent here. So if you're looking at the regional environment here, if our, if our benchmark is here, Ontario's is over here. So the fact that the patient felt even more coerced, that, that can be a challenge. It's, it, it's unfortunate that, that social, this social media topic has gotten that far. I, I never want to put a patient in a situation where they feel uncomfortable with me in the exam room. That's just, that's just unheard of. I think that this is a cautionary tale for all plastic surgeons because you're right. We wield an incredible amount of power over our patients. And there are some patients that are more than happy to have every part of their plastic surgery journey highlighted or featured. And I've had cer certain patients who, who actually asked to do, and then obviously there are many who don't f feel that way at all. And, and they basically say that they say many clients are happy to play a role in Dr. Jungenberg's uh, reality show, but others say they felt pressure to participate. So I think as plastic surgeons, we need to take steps to ensure that if we do ask a patient to participate in whatever marketing that we want to have them in, that they don't feel pressured. And I'm not sure exactly the steps that we can take to do. I'm sure we could, obviously the, our approach to it and, and how we discuss it with patients is super important. Also, there's probably some legal documentation that would be super helpful for us to make sure is completed so that patients know exactly what they're getting into. But I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if there are a number of patients with many plastic surgeons who might feel that way, especially if that plastic surgeon is heavy into marketing, broadcast surgery live frequently, does that sort of celebrity media influencing. So would it be okay for you to have the type of entertainment that this value that this plastic surgeon had, for example, he had the rapper two chains in his operating room during a surgical procedure, making comments about uh, the surgery and, and the results about the patient. Is that totally fine? Is there's no, is there any sort of, do you see any issue with that? Well, I thought that was Dr. Miami that actually had. Oh, that was Dr. That's correct. His, that's right. That was Dr. Again, this is a leading question, Dr. Ree. Obviously <laughs> none of us would feel comfortable with having people not relevant to the procedure in the operating room. But no, we've all, I think, made the conscientious effort to, to use social media to educate as a form of advertising as well, but tasteful and, and one that actually shows the gravitas that we all associate with surgery. But, but there is, as Dr. Pacella already alluded to, there are people that because of their markets, their age and the demographics of their patients choose to use it more for strictly entertainment purposes and blur that line between professionalism. 
there is going to be a catastrophic event that happens at some point to a patient, which is really going to lead to, I think, a reckoning for those sorts of practices. But I think we're all going to be on the line of, line of conservatism. We're not, we're not doing that. But it'll be tragic when something bad happens. But unfortunately, at some point, invariably, something is going to happen. What do you think about the fact that this seems to be a growing trend with plastic surgeons? Dr. Jungenberg was actually a group of 15 surgeons called the Dr. Miami Squad. This is from the Wired article. There was Dr. B. Fixen from Long Island who had 215,000 followers. Dr. Real, the Real Dr. Feelgood in Fall River, Massachusetts, 521,000 followers. The Real Dr. B. Moore from Baltimore, 36,000 followers. They pay for an affiliation, $15,000 for the initial branding and social media training with The Real Dr. Miami then $2,500 a month for social media promotion on the Dr. Miami platforms. So this is actually almost being franchised and becoming yeah, common. It's very entertaining. He, he knights his followers on live. I, I knight you, Dr. Sammy J. Of Dallas, Texas. <laughs> it's just an opportunity to extend the brand. It's... To some, to some extent, we can argue that we do the same thing with our professional societies. We apply to the Aesthetic Society or ASPS by nature of being accepted into that community. We're listed on their website. We're listed as being legitimate. The same argument can be made for board certification. It's not going to stop you from practicing, but you get that kind of extra little bit of, of uh, certification. So, you know, all the power to these guys. I, th I think my judgment comes in when it affects patient safety and it affects patient, patient outcomes.